You're listening to the SEV Connected Podcast with my mom, Kelly O'Keefe. Welcome to SCV Connected. SCV Connected is a brand new podcast with a mission to connect all of us who call Santa Clarita home, featuring small and local businesses while celebrating those doing meaningful and impactful work. I'm excited for you to listen to my conversation today with Shelly Zantano. Her story opens by growing up in an abusive, narcissistic, alcoholic home. At the age of 20, she lost her mother to breast cancer. March 2017, her world exploded when she discovered her husband's body suddenly widowed with children. She had to start navigating a foreign world to create a new kind of beautiful for her family. In pursuit of resolve, she became a certified grief recovery specialist through the only evidence-based program, the Grief Recovery Method. Please welcome grief recovery specialist, Shelly Zantano. Take me to how you got started with this work in grief. Okay. Uh, we all go through losses in life. So I think like everybody, you know, I would go through losses. I lost my mom when I was 20 to breast cancer in 2017, March 1st, I suddenly lost my husband. That, that was pretty catastrophic and absolutely rocked my world. We had been together for uh, 28 years, married almost 23. I had no, no one else. Wow. I went from my mom to him. He moved in with yeah. us when I was 16. So like, oh my gosh, I mean, my whole you life, really? I knew nothing else. Like, I mean, oh he was gosh. just everything. He was my best friend. He was my person. I mean, he, and he was the person that I would go to whenever something bad happened. So yeah. when this happened, the person I was reaching for was the one who was gone. And it was, oh. ju- I just, it, it was just despair, just absolute despair. Like I had never known before so bad that I was just like, how do people survive this feeling? Right. And his death was tragic. He was one of those people that you would have never thought that it would happen to. And he Mm -hmm. did suffer brain damage over the years and he had a degenerative brain disease. And so there were a lot of individual factors that went into it, but nonetheless, it was shocking. It was not expected. And I was left with two children and not knowing how on earth I could possibly do this. So, you know, just kind of going through the shock and awe and all of just thinking I was just in total ruin Mm -hmm. and it, it took a while. I went to a counselor for a while, which was amazing. She was great. Okay. Uh, but I was just talking about the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And it wasn't until I had a friend that lost her husband six months prior who had gone through this grief program. And I was like, okay, well, tell me about that. And she said, I think you'll really like it. So I went into the grief recovery method and I went through the program and then it was so eye-opening and healing Mm. to me, I became, I became a specialist in it Wow! and started doing it myself because it gave me such an insight to grief and, and what it is and how it affects every loss that we have moving forward. Uh, I had to grieve my mom and things in my childhood. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. So when you went into the grief recovery method group, did you did you work on the grief with your husband or did you work on a past grief? I worked on a past grief in order really like to grieve my husband honorably. I had to grieve other things. Like he couldn't take responsibility for things that were not his responsibility. So I had to like grieve so many things from my past 
of, you know, really losing my mom and then, you know, growing up in the childhood that I did and, and just, and how that shaped me to who I was and, and how kind of things went the way they did. And it was a very big deal for me because, you know, to lose someone in the way I did with my husband, we take on this, we feel like there's something that we could have done. Like they slipped through our fingers and this was my responsibility. And after going through all of this, I was like, this was not my fault. People feel this all the time. People are losing people all the time. Right, especially right now. I mean, COVID. And I think even if someone goes through a divorce, you think, you know, it was me. What did I do? Or if they betrayed you, what did I do? And, and, you know, you do all these things. I mean, we just have these griefs that we, we put on ourselves and all of us go through it. And to be able to really kind of look at your life and grieve what needs to, to, to not, because grief is accumulative. So as, like I said, so when I agree, when I was grieving my husband, I was grieving what I didn't realize is I was grieving all the other losses in my life. So, but when we're able to put things in its rightful place and grieve each event, grieve each, you know, loss of, you know, hopes, dreams, and expectations along the way and how we wish things could have been different, better, or more along the way. When we're able to do that to each thing in its place, it's emptying the bucket. Let's talk about grief when it comes to motherhood. There's so much, and I did not expect that there's so much change right that comes along. well you're you're absolutely right and i when you were talking about how we visualize my son was class of 2020 mm-hmm. and i remember i think i was more upset about him not having a graduation than him not having a graduation because you know in the hospital when you're holding them you know you've already you've played their whole life Yes. You know, in, in the days while you're in the hospital, I mean, he graduated in my mind, he got married, he had his yes. children, you know, I mean, and so when he could have his graduation, I was like, you know, I knew he was disappointed for, I mean, there was no prom, there was no senior mm. night and, you know, all that was taken away. And, and I remember one thing he said to me, cause I was so upset about the graduation. He's like, mom, this isn't about you. I'm like, well, yes, it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, totally. I'm like, you don't understand. This is my moment. You yes. know, this is, this, I was supposed to be in the stands watching you graduate. That's yeah. taken away from me. In every flashback, like every movie, it's graduations in yes. there for sure. Like, yes, you know, hearing the music and watching you walk yeah. down and turning the town. Like, I'm like, it's just, it's, and, and, and it was completely out of my control. Yeah. It was just taken. And, you know, and obviously that was a story of many people, but it's just similar to kind of, it's just losses. Okay. And so it's, that's grief too. It's not absolutely. the death of someone. No, it's, it's, you know, any significant emotional loss, it's the loss of hope. It's a loss of dream. It's a loss of expectation. Uh, you know, someone can be assaulted and that is, you know, could be a loss of their innocence and loss of trust. And, you know, and I think with a lot of the children and this grief of the whole pandemic, global it's just global grief yes everywhere all of us have experienced a sudden little change in our life loss fear unpredictability right. and and it just happened instantly and we're not only feeling it ourselves we're seeing our children have their normal taken away even if a kid was really happy to have be homeschooled for a while i mean at first my daughter was living the dream yeah, because then there's almost that like grief of going back to reality, what reality was, the new reality. Like, yeah. Shelly, we, we as a world, we all know. need 
Agreed. We all did it. Like we're such creatures of habit. And so, you know, school gets taken away and it's like, oh, what's happening, you know? And then, you know, like, again, my daughter was kind of like, you know, well, this is cool. You know, I, I get to just wake up and be in my pajamas. And then after a while, you're like, okay, even if you're more of an introvert, we still, there's a level of we are social creatures and to kind of go out and, and even when you're at school, there's little distractions that you don't realize there could be the little chatters, the bird chirping, there's things that are happening, you know, subconsciously that you're not really paying attention to, and you're functioning. Well, when that's just gone, you're now you're in your room. It's gone. All you have are your own thoughts because your brain never stops. So now you're thinking as you know, the kids, you know, you're just thinking of just, I can't even imagine just that everything that's happening, your future, you know, you start not seeing your friends that much anymore. There's nothing really to talk about with your friends. There's not, I mean, everything just starts dwindling and you know, the future just kind of looks kind of like it sucks. Yeah, no, definitely. Your mind is like so powerful. And sometimes you don't even know like what's getting captive of it, what you're watching, what you're doing, the loss of um, community and how like just impactful that is. Yeah, loss of community. And even though in grief, like we know, you know, we don't want to distract our grief, but there's normal things that we can do. Like if, if you want to go out and have, you know, a couple glasses of wine with your friend and laugh, you know, then you can do that. Well, now you can't. Yeah. Well, and maybe now we're starting to a little bit, but I mean, before, you know, over a year, it's like, no, you can't go to the movies, right? You can't go to the concert. You can't, like, there's nothing that you can normally do. In fact, you know, the gym's even closed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and you can go out running and doing stuff, but then, then you have the psychological factor of seeing people with the masks and have a friend who she's a psychologist. And in the beginning, when she would walk into the store and see people with masks, it, it was just a problem for her, right. you know? So it, and this is what was just so amazing about everything in this last year is it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a neuropsychiatrist. It doesn't matter if you're a psychologist. It doesn't matter if you're a student. Like we are all seeing this total sudden change in this the psychology behind it of just like, what? And we're all losing. Yeah. So what can we do? Like, what are there tactical things that we can do today if we can't get an appointment with you tomorrow? You know what I mean? Like, where can we start doing that work on our own too? Well, Validate it. Validate it. Okay. Validate it. You know, it is okay to say this absolutely sucks. We don't have to try to paint a silver lining. We don't have to try to say, oh, but is it? It's like, no, no. Just say, this just sucks. Okay. You know, and I'm mad. And, you know, if you're mad, say, I'm mad. Like, this sucks. This was just totally not fair. And and it doesn't matter. Well, life's not fair. I said, just stop. Right now, we're just going to be validated for the truth of the emotion. Yes. You know, yes, we have, you know, plagues in the world. Yes, things will change and correct. We know that. But right here, it just sucks. That's so powerful because, yeah, I'll do that. I'll say to myself, there are we people in Haiti that have it way worse, Kelly. Yes. Like yes. you've been there, you've seen that, like, fuck up. Come on. We, we start, we start doing the comparable and other people have it worse. And, and again, that might be an intellectual truth, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. You're then you still can say what I'm going through sucks. And that's another really good point that you, that you made of when we say someone else has it worse, because again, someone else could be looking at you and thinking, 
what you're going through is their worst. Cause I mean, I would be like, cause I would do that initially. Cause I would be thinking other people going through it worse and you know, this may be really bad, but someone else might be looking at me and thinking, oh, that's my worst. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's okay to say, you know, right now this is my worst okay. and you know, it sucks. So I think validate it. Okay. And, uh, treat yourself as you would your friend. Mm, that's such a good reminder. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. Be patient. Just say, okay, look, you know, I know all this intellectual truth. Okay. But right now I'm just going to be really kind to myself. I'm going to be patient and I'm going to work really hard to be kind of be patient with other people. Cause we're kind of all going through this and because we didn't just have the pandemic. We've had, Okay. But like, you know, for how long should we be kind to ourselves? Because like, can I eat the chocolate for 365 days or See, now yeah like, ideally what? I would love to say yes okay okay <laughs> <laughs> no but it's of the being kind to yourself would mainly be uh, it doesn't necessarily have to mean eat the chocolate okay it could mean really watch your self-talk mm, in your okay. head and that is a huge thing for me because I expect myself to be it is you know, different place. I expect to be further ahead. I expect, I have all these expectations yes. and then I'm like, you know what, just stop, you know, it's okay. There's just been all these setbacks, you know, just it's the self-talk. Like you're not a loser. You're okay. You know, it's just, yeah. watching, I expect so much more being in my forties. and da-da-da. Yeah. Oh it's yeah. Really, I can really, <laughs> yeah. So it's really just kind of watching how you speak to yourself. And that's why I say, you know, treat yourself like you would a friend. Okay. Cause you wouldn't say that to a friend. No. Yeah. No way. Yeah. No. So kind of see it as, as you would see to a friend and, and that really should be all the time. Okay. And, but even more so uh, it's more of a practice now to okay. kind of get used to, you know, acting that way. Um, and, and start making a game plan of actions of, you know, whether, whether, whether you, did a grief program to focus on your losses, or if it's something you want to do yourself, start kind of writing things out, blocking mm. it out. Everyone, and I would say not do it on your phone or computer. Oh, really? Okay. It uses a different part of your mind. Okay. And, and it's just, it's just a different experience and just start getting things out and you could write down, what are you disappointed about? And then you can write, you know, what do you, what are you hoping for? Because we need to start also starting to incorporate the hope again, because mm. it's the hope it's where we kind of feel like, oh, this is hopeless. This is going to go forever. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, I saw a commercial where it was for a, a movie and it said, you know, playing only in theaters. I'm like, what theaters? <laughs> right. What theaters is it only playing? Oh, stop. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just like, oh my goodness. So, but it's like starting to kind of just even if it seems completely unrealistic, I just start putting it down. Okay. You know, and indefinitely, I mean, I'm really all about getting help. I mean, if we take care of our, cause minds and bodies, it all goes together. Yes. We get doctor checkups once a year and I say, do the mental checkup. And if why that, are like people so reluctant to go in and talk with a therapist or like a grief recovery specialist? Because Is it- I think we really believe that it's something we're supposed to just figure out on our own. Okay. And, and yeah, in, in some cases that there are some things that are just kind of basic, but again, when you're talking about significant emotional losses, and if it's a cumulative, you got to make sure that you're, you're working through 
the correct loss because you can't be working through, you know, if, if someone was going through a betrayal from their a, a divorce and their marriage, mm-hmm. but let's say they grew up in infidelity. If they grew up, you know, seeing their mother or father cheat, you know, you need to make sure, okay, which let's make sure we're grieving and working through the right loss. Wow. Because, okay. Because you're the person who cheated on you in your marriage doesn't need to take responsibility for everything that happened in your childhood. Yeah. So true. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so make sure you're, you're putting things in its proper place. So you're grieving the right loss. And, and, you know, and when you do that, you can kind of see how you got yourself into certain situations. You're like, Oh, yeah. So, and then this brings up this point of like, I remember this specifically happening in our grief group. So, and especially like with loss of death, it's almost like you don't want to grieve it and go through it because you're letting that person go. And it's almost, if you're holding on to it, it's that blanket of comfort in a weird way. Does yes. that happen in other types of grief too? Yes. And, and okay. you feel like you're letting your, and, and, and that's, that's perfect. Cause if in the regards to like losing someone, you feel like if you're holding on to it and still holding on to that pain and feeling it, you're, it's, I don't know. It's just, sometimes I think it might be subconscious, but I think you feel like, well, I'm still keeping that person with me and I'm not forgetting them. Right. Right. And really, if you could enjoy the memory of the person, and if you can work through it where you don't have to feel that pain and feel again, that twist of the knife, Mm -hmm. get the knife out because it's still going to be sad moments and it's still going to be, oh, I miss them. But to get the knife out where it's not twisting, where you can think of the happy times and you can really enjoy the memory of the person. So you're not really letting them go. You're letting go of the knife and the pain. Mm-hmm. And that would be the same thing where it kind of comes to maybe forgiveness of a situation. If, if something, there was an event or something that happened and you need to move through that. Sometimes we hold on to it because yeah. we're thinking, well, if I forgive them, then I'm letting them off the hook. Oh, totally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was my thing with forgiveness because we know intellectually that forgiving is about your freedom, not their freedom. But I still can't, I had a hard time making that. Yeah, point. same. Because I, I feel like, well, if I forgive them, I'm somehow condoning that or accepting it or saying, okay, it's all right. Really? No, it's no. And that's where you kind of say, okay, I acknowledge for whatever reason, X, Y, Z happened for me to let go of that. So I can experience, you know, a little bit more happy in my life. Because if things are full, if you're full, you don't have room for the other good stuff. Oh, that's so good. That's you got it. You know, you got to Like I always say, you know, we have, we have our bucket and we got to keep emptying our bucket because things are going to still come at you. So mm-hmm. if it starts getting too full, two things happen. One, when bad stuff happens, you overflow and hemorrhage and just have emotional oh. hemorrhages. Oh yes. Or you can't allow any good in. So oh my it's gosh. Like, you just, and then that just bounces off because you get bitter and, or you distrust or you, you know, you're walking on eggshells, you're waiting for the next shoe to drop. And so you got to just kind of keep emptying the bucket along the way. Oh. I mean, I'm still emptying my bucket. I'm going to really? be emptying my bucket probably for the rest of my life because wow. there's always going to be something and, yeah. or something will remind me. And, uh, but I have the tools now. I'm not just walking around with a paintbrush trying to, you know, build additions to my home. Yeah. So no, that's so powerful that you went back and you continue to do the work. Cause yeah, I remember right. when we sat in group, you know, towards the end, we were all just like almost like lighter feeling as right. we started to work through it, the grief and the guy leading the grief specialist, he just said, you know, most of you probably won't go back to the book. Like 
you'll leave the class and like, you know, like you won't reopen the book and start on a new grief, which is, that's the goal. But until you have that accountability in that group setting. Mm-hmm. And right. so, yeah, I've never opened the book ever since. And I'm like, oh yeah, oh, I I, maybe, <laughs> you know, I love group work and, and I do a lot of, I mean, most of what I do is one-on-one when they go through the course, it's, you know, we go through the, we go through the grief and we, you know, grieve the, you know, event or person or situation that they grieve on, mm-hmm. but it's also teaching them. Okay. So what this is, this is what's next because it's to teach you how to keep doing this through right. not just up to now, but as we go through things along the way, because, you know, you could lose a job along the way, you know, that's going to go like, ugh, and then yeah. you're going to have to work through that. So it's just, it's giving, it's giving the tools in the toolbox. What age? Cause like I have a three and six year old. Are they grieving? To me, it's oh, like, yeah. well, they don't know any, uh, anything else. So yeah. Yes. And they're grieving and they're grieving like a little child. If they get their favorite ice cream and they're so excited because they couldn't wait to have that ice cream and they're walking and they stumble and the ice cream falls. That's for them. That's an emotional loss. They're wow. like, you know, they cry. So like we see them crying at their little ice cream thinking, okay, seriously, you know, but to yeah. them, they're like, oh, that's oh my God. you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, when they can't see their friends or just things are different, they're not going to school. Yeah. They're, they're grieving in their own way. And that's why it's really important that we let them voice that and let them be frustrated. And, uh, but you know, it's then like we talked about before, you know, kind of re-engaging them of, okay, yeah, absolutely. So what are we going to do about that? You know, what what are we going to do from here? You know, you're right. This, that's, this is yucky. You know, you know, what do you think would make it less yucky, you know, Mm. and then listen to them, let them kind of talk. I work with 18 and over. Okay. But I do think it is very important to, uh, anxiety is huge. Um, yes. You know, suicide is the second leading cause of death among our youth. Wow. And you have children, you know, as young as you know, 10 and five and seven. I mean, it's, it's horrific. So it's really important to pay attention to, okay. to the behaviors of, of children and not just discount it. Okay. You know, just pay attention and, and get them into, you know, professional help to have someone listen to them. Uh, and no, no one knows your child like you know your child. Okay. What if the kid's not showing any behavior differences, but you know, there has to be some sense of grief during this season. Mm-hmm. Does it hurt to reach out, just plug them in to help just to see, get the counselor's perspective or the grief special, like get them some sort of help, second opinion to validate. Maybe they are handling it great or. Yeah, I, I inform it kind of like coaching, okay. just say, you know, we're going to go talk to someone kind of like a coach. We're just going to kind of see how things are going. It's very difficult to force teens and older kids to get help. Okay. Uh, it just like, you know, they're like us, you know, you can't make them do something, you know, right. like your five-year-old, you can, you know, your 17-year-old, it's, it's just a lot different. If you're noticing something different with your child and they're just more isolating and they're not talking as much, they're not talking about the future and they're having anger, you know, outbursts and just something just seems off. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, in a dark place, but if they're also not expressing and talking to you, then it's not going to hurt just, just to go, just, just go see someone 
and have them check. And there's nothing wrong. People are so afraid to ask the questions of their kids. They're afraid because like, oh, I don't want to put anything into their head. Well, if they're already in a dark place, you're not putting anything into their head. And as a parent, when your mother is watching your children hurt, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. again, no matter what it is, they, you know, they, they didn't get into the college they wanted, or they got a breakup with their boyfriend or their girlfriend. I mean, just seeing them hurt, knowing, ah, I can't fix this. Yeah. They have to feel it. Right. And so this is, it's, it's just so horrible. I think even now, I mean, I think my pain, I always feel like I can handle my stuff. It's watching my kids. Yes. That was just the worst of the worst. And because that's what it is as a parent, when your children go through the pain, but it comes down to, then that's our role to teach them how to work through that pain, to teach them how to, to, gain power from those emotions and in a positive way. And, and, and that's where we can go in where, where we can do something. What can we do? Let's teach them how to work through it. You know, let's teach them how to use the tools in the toolbox. I feel so empowered just personally with my own health after our conversation, but just like as a mother too, and as a friend, as a member of the community, just to take responsibility in this aspect of health. And, and, and it's okay. And again, it's okay to stumble. I stumble all the time. I, I mean, it just happens and it's just taking the edge off and just saying, okay, you fall, then you just, you get back up. And sometimes you might be down a little bit longer and, but just get up and just keep going, just Mm. keep going. It's important that we don't sit in a victimhood. Mm. And even though we might be a victim of a circumstance or whatever it is, okay, that's fair, but we don't have to sit in that. And that's not your identity. Your, your identity is so much, you know, more empowering and, and fruitful from that. Right. Thank you so much for your time today. I really oh, appreciate thank it. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome back anytime because we're always working through grief. There's always something. There is. And I have a feeling, you know, we're all, even, even as we start re-engaging. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about the people who've lost their businesses. Right. I mean, that they're in their fifties. Some people were getting ready to retire and I can't even imagine there's not like, you're now having to start over in your fifties and like, it, it's, it's catastrophic. It's absolutely right. catastrophic. And that is a huge, huge loss on so many different levels. So, I mean, that's grief. So I think as we start, you know, continuing on this, you know, journey of pandemic recovery, right. we're grieving. And recapping my conversation today with Shelly, the work that she is doing really has the power to change a community. Shelly is a perfect example of making your mess your message. There's nothing more important to her than than this work and this space. I'm just so thankful that we live in a community where Shelly lives. This is just a gentle reminder and a nudge. Slow down. Pay attention to those around you. Pay attention to the impact that the world is having on you. Pay attention to the people in your home, in your spaces, in your community. Thank you for listening to SCB Connected today.